With AI first, I mean, whenever I do anything, I ask myself, can AI help me? And I have different applications for that. This is also part of the Gen AI strategy that we put together here in the company. But for different fields like writing collateral, summarizing meetings, putting together decks, um, preparing for a session, summarizing a competitive report, I would say generative AI in the past six months, 5x my personal productivity in my job. In today's session of Hybrid Minds, I'd like to welcome Philip Wehn. Uh, he's Vice um, President of Innovation and Venture Building at Siemens in San Francisco. At Siemens, Philip is responsible for driving and accelerating the innovation program through in-house development and strategic partnerships. He also leads the development of the generative AI strategy for his business segments, aiming to drive top-line growth and bottom-line optimization. In November 2022, Philip was named to German Capital Magazine's top 40 on the 40 list. Welcome, Philip, and congratulations. Thank you so much, Vahe. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, good to meet you. And I'm excited to talk. So, Philip, I read that um, Siemens has achieved close to 100% accuracy in real-time location systems by leveraging AI. Correct. Um, can, you, can you explain how AI enhances um, this um, actually traditional service? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe a quick quick recap on RTLS itself. It has been around for more than 10 years, right? We have been hearing about real-time location services in manufacturing and in healthcare for a while now. And whenever I talk about it and people don't don't know it or don't identify with it, I always take our Apple AirTags or our Apple wallets and I tell them, you're actually using RTLS every single day. A couple of decades ago, we used maps and we tried to find places. But now we have this technology using GPS in our consumer life. And it makes our life better. So what we did here at Siemens and Lighted, um, we wanted to deliver a consumer-like experience to the commercial RTLS world with a focus on healthcare and manufacturing. And before we revamped and relaunched our product through 2022, we didn't have any machine learning in our location services. And with that revamp, and the shout out goes out to my head of architecture here, Nikolai Gigov, he and his team, um, they pretty much built two levels of uh, machine learning um, that run in the cloud. And with that, we, with our sensor network and our asset tags, we create first room level accuracy. And then in a second level with communication outside of the room, we create even sub room level accuracy with almost 100% of um, an accuracy level and very low latency through machine learning. Latency is also a big issue there, right? Because uh, you want it really to be real time, basically. And how does AI actually really help you there? Is it is it on cleaning sensor data or is it more of learning locations better? Or how do you yeah. actually use AI there? Yeah, let's let's be honest. AI right now is is like the big word. Um, a year ago, we would have just called it machine learning, um, which is part of the general AI space. But um, yeah, what, what we do there is we take the data after we train the model in a setup process and um, the data points that communicate with different sensors that are in the ceiling around where the asset actually is. And the model calculates where the points are collected and then it predicts where the asset actually is. And before that, we had like a more ge geometrical, just mathematical approach to it. And that 
first was way more cost intense on our side because it was heavier to calculate it in the cloud. And then second, it was less accurate than just training the model on how the sensor data looks when you are in a certain place. Very interesting. Okay. And and what are the typical use cases for this? I mean, where is it like really used a lot? Yeah. So I'm happy to share a personal story and then also uh, the moneymaker. Uh, let's start with the moneymaker. Uh, the core ROI comes from um, asset efficiency. So especially in healthcare, if you look at a healthcare operation, they lose about 20% of an asset in any asset class within one year. It just disappears. Some some might get stolen, some might move to another station. Um, so the first thing there is we can tell a hospital the exact utilization rate of an asset or an asset class. And then secondly, we can make sure that the assets that are not used are put away. And then we can do also asset loss prevention through virtual geofencing. So we can make sure if an asset leaves a certain area or enters a certain area, like the exit zone, we can send an alert to nurses or to staff. So that 20% asset loss can be reduced to approximately 5% through real-time location services. And that is a huge moneymaker for healthcare. The second use case that I experienced seven weeks ago is um, we can, with our badges and our wearables, we can also, um, if the client wants to do that, accelerate safety in patient tracking and patient journeys. So my baby had an RTLS tag on her right foot during her first six days of life in the hospital, paired with her bassinet that also had a tag. It wasn't from Siemens, but I told them that there are better products out there and they should look at it. Um, but these two were paired and they were also connected to the station, um, the maternity station. So if 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 I took the baby out of the, the room and it wasn't in her bassinet, alert to the nurses. If the baby would have left the station with that, with that tag on, the full hospital would have gone into like security mode. So those are just two use cases uh, specific to healthcare. And then in manufacturing, any lean management principles that we did for the last decades, you can actually now see all your assets move in real time, time stamping, efficiency acceleration. Um, you don't have to do any spaghetti diagram drawings anymore. You get the data in real time. I understand that you have a tag and a sensor, right? And um, I would assume that on the tag, you don't have any or very little energy consumption. And the sensor is the part that do, does more. Than, but how is that? Is that efficient enough? Like, I would assume you need many of those sensors. And then how is the efficiency, energy efficiency of such a thing? Yeah. So that is the cool thing about our system. When we look at real-time location services, a major bottleneck in the past was the hardware and installation cost. Um, the Siemens Enlighted RTLS system is a lighting-based RTLS system. That means the first core value proposition we bring to a client is that with a sensor in every light, we reduce the energy consumption through lighting by 70%. So this is how you get the, the ROI out of the system immediately. And then with the RTLS system, you get a compound ROI. And that makes us better than the competition where if you are a hospital or a manufacturing site, you want to do RTLS, well, guess what? You have to buy this hardware. So for us, we bring an ROI through um, through the energy savings. We make our customers more sustainable. And then energy efficiency side, you just said it, our asset tags have an accelerometer. 
So when they don't move, they only ping every five minutes. As soon as they move, they ping constantly. And with that um, firmware, uh, we are able to accelerate our battery life to five years. Putting into lights is actually really smart. And how do you come up with such idea? Does AI actually help with such a thing? Could AI be used or do you use AI to generate ideas uh, in, in, in this area or... Yeah, I mean, kudos to the to the Enlighted founders. They had that brilliant idea. The idea that was born here in Silicon Valley um, was to do, to create a neural network for buildings. That's that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to sense motion, temperature, and then also um, through BLE asset movement in the building. And they wanted to solve that problem that buildings actually don't know what is happening inside of them. And then they looked at how can we best achieve that goal? And they saw that the lights are distributed over the floor in a very perfect way. And they are in every single building and they all have electricity, right? So that's where they said, okay, let's put that sensor into the light, work with OEM so that you can actually buy light fixtures that have the sensors in them and make sure that the product comes with the light and then the software capability can be added. So in that field, um, we're pretty much, we do have a, um, a sensor on the hardware side that does um, daylight sensing. So as soon as there's enough daylight, the lights go down, the lights go out. And then we have a couple software applications um, where we do have, um, I would say regular machine learning and, and, and software. Where we do have a lot of AI is in our partnerships. We extended our portfolio through our data APIs with two partners in the last months, which is Tagnos in the healthcare space and Zen Compute in the smart cleaning space. And with Zen Compute, we take real-time occupancy information from buildings, feed it into their Zenitor system, which is a smart cleaning AI. And then we pretty much decrease cleaning costs by 30% through um, real-time occupancy-driven cleaning. And then that system also learns based on days, weather, calendar. It predicts how many cleaning personnel will be needed in a certain space. So this is, again, where I would say the human, the human capability gets accelerated through artificial intelligence. Very interesting. And where do you see the future of this going, especially with all this generative AI and the advances that we have done with AI? Uh, I'm sure also deliver new possibilities, right? Where would you see the future of this technology? I would say the big step when we look at generative AI is that it makes, first, it makes AI more tangible for most people and it makes it accessible for us with a human language in a very simple way. And then at the same time with these LLMs, you don't have to create your own machine learning model and train it with a specific set of data anymore. But it's, it's pretty much, it can ingest so insane amounts of data and give you amazing results. So we're currently testing how we can, can use this in our product strategy, um, looking at extending the data sources feeding into our software applications. That is a big piece. Right now, our, our own systems feed into the system and then we're API open into multiple other products. But now we also look, what else can we ingest and use AI to faster get data and information out of third-party systems? Um, in general, I would say 
in the smart building space. And Siemens is pushing hard on that field with the Siemens Accelerator and the Siemens Building X product. Um, whether it's energy management, sustainability management, safety management, or just having a central command center, there are so many data sources in a smart building. And AI will make it possible to just have the right information when you want it, when you need it, use it, and best case, automatically make the right decisions to run buildings in a more efficient way. And yeah, create a more sustainable planet through buildings. Yeah, and that, that's a really an important point, right? Because uh, I, I have a smart home at, at my home. Uh, I have to say not Siemens. But Do you like it? After, after this conversation, I have to change it to Siemens. But, uh, but before that, uh, it wasn't. You know what the problem is with it? The problem is I don't think it's smart because at the end, it just removed the button from the walls to my phone. It really doesn't do all these things that you guys are doing, which I saw with like automatically putting on the light and so on. Uh, it really just just moved the button from the wall to my phone. That's it at the end of the day, right? Um, and I think there you got a really important point, right? Because what you actually need to do with this information is make decisions based on this, right? Like turn on the light, turn on heating, turn on whatever, all these uh, things that you can control in a, in a building, right? I actually have a different uh, experience here in the US um, with my smart home, to be honest. Yeah. So, really? Yeah. It, it, the first thing is it's all also coupled with my... Um, with my Apple HomePod and my Apple TV. So it's all controllable through voice. I think that is a major step we will see. And I think um, also through Gen AI, we will see an acceleration of these voice models, Siri, Alexa, and, and, and others. And then the second thing, geofencing, as soon as I leave the building, the house, um, my AC and heating goes to an echo mode. And then I can also opt into like a smart um, AI-driven schedule that is pretty much based on all other houses in the area. And that adapts my schedule to maximize comfort and efficiency. And then my watering system is connected to the weather forecast and has sensors actually that measure whether my, my plants need water. And that might be Silicon Valley specific, but. Uh, that, that, that part I have too from Gardena. That's actually working well. <laughs> that is awesome. But yeah, that's awesome. That's true. But uh, the in-house, I think I made just the wrong decision, to be honest, because I went with KNX, which is a very old system. And uh, I don't know, it, it's, it, it's not that smart. Mine at least isn't. Um, that's interesting. So what do you think about, I'm, I'm sure you have heard, you know, Tesla, for example, right, is using um, self-driving cars based only on cameras. Do you think that locationing could be done by cameras only? Like literally instead of having sensors and tags use cameras and process that information? I'm, I, I'm sure we're very far away from this because when you said that... Um, um, language models are universal. You are very right, uh, but uh, graphical models aren't. So those actually would have need to be trained uh, specifically, and that's a lot of energy and a lot of um, problems connected with it. But can you see a future where that is 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 the the status quo? I see a lot of potential in computer vision, and I saw um, when I was working in urban mobility with Siemens before. I saw uh, a couple really interesting startups and also AI technologies. Um, one of them is called uh, G2K. Good to know. They were just they just exited a uh, Berlin-based startup, and they did um, they did occupancy analytics through cameras in train stations, including aggressive uh, behavior, drunk people. Um, so, if we look at countries um, like, for example, China, where there are cameras everywhere and um, you track all this information, I think there is a lot of potential with that. 
I think in our Western society, the one thing that keeps us away from major progress through the results from computer vision is data privacy. We, many people, they really care about their data privacy. And I get that. I am the opposite. I always say I'm, I'm, I'm a glass person. Take my data as soon as, as long as you make my life better, take it. Um, but I do see a lot of potential in that, to be honest. Um, in, in the field of smart buildings and the, the business that we are in as, as Siemens and Lighted, you talked about energy efficiency and then also size of hardware and everything. Um, I would say especially tracking assets and then saying whether it is the asset that ends with 347 in, in its ID or 349 and the asset looks exactly the same. You have, you don't have a chance to, to reach that with computer vision, but anonymized people counting, for example, at elevators, um, where you use, um, yeah, cameras and computer vision to, to track occupancy of, of, of a floor of a building. Um, I think there is a lot possible as long as we're in those very strict boundaries of data privacy. It makes sense, of course. You're right. Because if the asset looks exactly the same, but has a different serial number, a camera won't help you there. Yeah. yeah. Or if I the mean, baby looks the same. How do you know it's my looks baby? The same, right? yeah. and the, uh, you talked a lot about healthcare. I, I, I yeah. understand that that's a very big uh, big sector for you. What other sectors are actually big in, in, in this technology? And Lighted did grow in the commercial real estate and big tech vertical. So uh, we are installed in, in many, many of the big campuses across the San Francisco Bay Area, some of the biggest um, manufacturing sites of tech automotive players. Um, and then education is another one. So our four verticals is really um, healthcare, as you said, commercial real estate, uh, manufacturing and education. And um, we always look at sectors based on certain criteria. So the first one is, is sustainability important for that sector right now? Is our rising energy prices a problem? Are companies willing to hit certain uh, carbon goals? And if that's a yes, that's a goal for us. Because as I said before, the ROI of the product comes through a significant saving from energy. And then the second piece that we ask ourselves, where you pretty much have to differentiate, even in, in smart lighting control, there are the Toyotas and there are the Ferraris. And we are considered more of like a high-end product with our applications and our machine learning um, offering. So we look at the vertical, but then we also look at the client profile. Is the client willing to spend extra to get more value out of the product than just saving energy? And then this is where we are really strong in all those verticals. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say make our customers happy. By now we have more than 5 million sensors in the field. Um, and, uh, yeah, customers across those verticals, across the globe, pretty much, uh, rely on and light it to not only control their lights, but really to make their real estate portfolio smarter. The point that you bring up with this energy cost and, and this efficiency, I mean, is really a big point, right? I mean, we just mm -hmm. read last week that Microsoft is considering building its own nuclear plant already. Uh, and and I just want to I just want to reiterate they had a lot. I mean, before they had about three percent, four percent market share in search. I mean, just imagine Google would go through all these technologies with uh, with Gen, Gen AI. It could seriously be a problem for you know for our sustainability goals in general. Absolutely, I mean, already in danger. But after that, they are like totally off. Yeah, yeah. 
That makes uh, that makes uh, really sense. And but you're also doing venture building, right? At uh, yeah. at Immense. And um, so, how does uh, how do you see there the AI development? How does AI help you? And what are AI um, uh, AI fields that you you are investing in or looking at? Yeah. So, um, quick def definition of how we define venture building at Enlighted. What we do is we uh, make and we partner. So Siemens has a corporate venture capital fund, Next 47, um, and that is really all the venture capital that Siemens does is in that in that fund. Um, what we do here is um, in-house venturing, so building our own um, new products, new small companies, and then partnering to build new ventures. And uh, for that, we, we operate like a startup. Um, we follow the lead startup method. We pretty much do uh, an extensive customer discovery before we build anything. And then um, after doing the discovery, we put it on um, like a beta program, test, test it with the customers before we launch it. So this is how we do the venturing. And to your question, how AI helps me there, I transformed completely within the first year to be an AI first person. With AI first, I mean, whenever I do anything, I ask myself, can AI help me? And I have different applications for that. This is also part of the Gen AI strategy that we put together here in the company. Um, but for different fields like writing collateral, summarizing meetings, putting together decks, um, preparing for a session, summarizing a competitive report, um, I would say generative AI in the past six months, 5x my personal productivity in my job, just because um, whenever I do something, I ask myself, which tool can I use to accelerate the process to a result? And let's be honest, the result isn't perfect Im immediately, but I get from zero to 80% within 30 seconds. And that is the time that, that before generative AI, that drained my head, that made me tired, getting from zero to 80. But now I get this 80% perfect piece of something and I can use my human brain to make it awesome. And I think this is where we should all tap into Gen AI even more than we already do. Yeah, I agree. I think after ChatGPT and you know, Anthropic and so on, I don't want to single out one company. I, I think I haven't written an email from zero to end myself anymore, <laughs> except it was a yes or no, like yes or no, I'm still right, but the rest is... Uh, or you ask, tell me if I should yes or no. <laughs> exactly. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. But yeah, I, I, I feel you. And um, if you look at enterprise AI right now, I think we have to talk quickly about one, one boundary. Um, every single enterprise out there right now has the let's be honest, a clear guideline not to use the open JetGPT product. Because when you put content text in there from your work laptop, um, this is considered confidential information. So what I'm personally looking forward to a lot is the Microsoft Copilot launch in, uh, I think, 1st of November. That is what Microsoft announced. Um, but then also really like specific products in each field, marketing, operations, first-level support, software engineering. Um, I think companies, individuals, or enterprise customers, they really have to tap into those products because if they don't, I would say individuals at some point will just go on JetGPT and say, I want to summarize my emails. I want to have, have this write my emails. And I think that can be really dangerous for enterprises. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And so I, I get the point uh, with data privacy. That's actually a big issue also, um, you know, for other industries, not only healthcare, obviously, but also, you know, banking and finance industries, of course, much driven by privacy. Um, what, what do you think about when we are already talking about, what do you think about 
publicly available language models that then you can deploy yourself, right? Like uh, Llama version 2, for example, and others are out there. And then Falcon is at 180 billion parameters. So they are also very, very good already. And you could deploy them like internally yourself and keep everything private. Like, have, have you considered that or are you doing something in that direction? We're not doing something in that direction. Um, I would also say my, my perspective is a little, bit, a little bit limited here. My opinion is, as long as you understand what the LLM does and how it gets to a result, you can do it. But what I've written, uh, what I've read so far, what I've heard so far, what I've discussed so far is that um, a core assumption is that we as humans don't really understand how the result comes together and where it comes from. So yeah. uh, I think that, that, is- could, that could be a limitation. But as, as I said, my perspective there is a little bit limited. I don't think that it's uh, limited at all because that's exactly the way it is. Um, at the end, I heard this quote in one of uh, the interviews, which is, we're actually not building AI, we're growing aliens because we don't know what we're doing. Like We're trying it out. right? And it's really just finding a needle in a haystack. And, uh, and um, the, the reason why it even works, because usually doing such an operation is just takes too long, right? But the reason why it works is the lightning speed you can do this. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't be tired. You can do it all the time, 24 hours on, you know, thousands of computers, hundreds of computers. And that's the reason why you actually still make advances without knowing it, right? yeah. what you're doing. Right? Just, I, I, you can bring this example, look at, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, one of the greatest minds, wanted to fly, but he wasn't able to do that, right? Because every experiment that he was doing took him a year <laughs> and then it failed and then he started again. So if we do advances in AI in that speed, we would never achieve anything, right? Yeah, um, but uh, very interesting. Message, yeah. yeah, very that, good point. I agree with that. And and it also brings, of course, you know, the limitations, as you said, where you use it and how you use it, because sometimes you can't use it because you cannot explain why you get this uh, results. Right, the whole thing about explainability and XAI and so on, where where it gets really important. Right, um, especially in healthcare. Just imagine, just imagine, you are deciding. Um, transplants based on AI. You could do that. You might actually get even a better result, but is that ethically okay because you can't explain it, right? That's the question. Like, why did AI choose that person and not you? Right? How would you yeah. explain it? Yeah, These and I, the, I, would, I would say any, any company that's building something in that space right now, the holy grail will not be to take the open AI API, put a different UI on it, and um, make it possible to upload a document to search for, pretty much. I think the, the the holy grail will be understanding the model, pre-filtering data that flows into it, fine-tuning it in the end, and then creating a solution that is trustworthy and that solves a problem that wasn't possible to be solved before the rise of Gen AI. Because what we see right now also in the VC space is we see tons of money flowing into Products that are a homepage and a UI built around JetGPT, like around the opening API. And even with the launch of, of Microsoft Copilot, I think many of those enterprise Gen AI players, they will struggle because then any enterprise account just goes up, I don't know, I think it's $17.99 per account. And the person has the open AI technology built into PowerPoint, Excel, Outlook, Teams. And that's what we use most of the time, right? So I think that's going to be very, very interesting how the, the, the launch of the MS Copilot, but then also the Google AI Copilot that they have in their workspace 
how that will change the landscape of enterprise Gen AI startups. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I call it AI adequacy because at the end of the day, we have proven with, with AI that it is it can be superior in many things, but can you actually operate operationally use it? Is it something that you, helps you to do your work? Is it really integrated into these uh, applications? Is it private and so on and so on? There are many questions. Trustworthy, you, you pointed out, is very important, uh, and that that I think still needs to be achieved, right, for many many use cases. And I am convinced we'll get there. I personally have the I have the vision of, of autonomous enterprises a couple couple decades in the future where we. We maybe have a society where we don't have competition between enterprises anymore and the enterprises interact with each other and just generate products and wealth for us so that we can return to do what humans can do best, be creative, invent things, save this planet and get, get all the knowledge workers out of these, out of these jobs where they do repetitive things like they would be in an automotive car factory and do the same thing every single day. These people are smart, these people are creative, and I think AI has the potential to free them up and do what we as humans can do best, which is solve problems, be creative, invent the future. Yeah, it's it's refreshing. Um, I couldn't agree more. It's refreshing because very often you also see, of course, the risks, right? And uh, there obviously lots of people um, that are very influential that see also lots of risk, and rightfully so. Uh, but at the end, I think it will be what we make out of it. So if we are positive enough and really work into this direction, we can actually make a, a very positive impact. With this yeah. yeah. As always, nuclear energy could be great. And that is uh, here in Germany. I, I know you, you, you were, I, I assume, born in Germany, at least raised in Germany. Yes. Yeah. We, we Born and raised. We have, our own, we have our own strategy around nuclear plants. Um, but... Uh, Think that needs to be revisited here in in, in Germany. Um, do you think actually that uh, because Siemens is doing many other things, right? Uh, besides uh, the, the, what we talked about, where does AI fit in with the whole corporate strategy? I assume there are many other areas that really look into these um, uh, possibilities now, right? Yeah, um, you just said it. Siemens is. I mean, we, we were founded in 1847, right? Werner von Siemens, uh, his his. Uh, most famous slogan is I will never sacrifice short-term profit over long-term growth. He was a, one of the one of the biggest entrepreneurs we ever had in Germany. And by now, and that's also the reason why I joined Siemens in the first place, Siemens, no matter what Siemens does, it is always technology with purpose. Whether we do healthcare products, the Siemens Healthineers, or digital industries, or Siemens Mobility providing mass transit, train, rail infrastructure um, across the globe. Many people don't see the products of Siemens, but I would assume almost everyone experiences a Siemens product every single day. And you are absolutely right. Um, machine learning and artificial intelligence, they play a key role. And once again, it's on two sides. It's top-line driven and it's bottom-line driven. On the bottom line, I think... Um, Siemens is on a path to pioneer and use these generative AI tools the right way. Everything we just talked about, um, I think uh, we're on a good path to, to use this technology the right way. And that will make us more efficient, more productive. It will make our products even, even better, faster to deliver. Um, and it will change the way people do their jobs. And if we can have more creative people in the company, we will become even better. 
And then the other piece is, is really the, the top line piece. Core technology that Siemens is currently um, pushing as part of the Siemens Accelerator, which is the marketplace for digital products in the industries, is the industrial metaverse, where Siemens partners with NVIDIA to, to bring not only a digital twin, but a real-time metaverse for um, industrial clients across the globe. And um, yeah, if you look at any software application, whether it is a simple generative AI chatbot built into the product so that you don't have to search for certain problems, but you can just you can just express it in your natural human language. Um, that plays a huge role. And then also learning about system failure and predicting system failure, whether it is in, in um, the rail industry or whether it is in digital industries and um, industrial software. So yeah, it, it plays a huge role. And um, I think on the transformation to, to becoming a, a full tech software company, um, Siemens is on the right path using what's out there. So right now, I would assume uh, the hardware business is still larger for Siemens than software, right? Or, or... Yeah, I mean, that's across the financial reports. Uh, we're growing fast on software ARR, um, but uh, we still deliver safety, fire, HVAC products, trains, like high-speed trains, NEIC uh, in Germany. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, the, the, the right entrepreneurial spirit is to take, now I'm talking management consultant, uh, business administration, university stuff, but um, you take the money that comes from your cash cow and you invest it into your question marks and stars, the BCG metrics. And um, that is exactly what's happening. And I saw many, many other companies in the past that didn't do that. That just kept uh, milking the cash cow, some automotive players maybe. And now they're facing severe problems. And um, we're not doing that. We're really inventing the future with our customers. Can you explore a little bit more about the metaverse? Because uh, it sounds so interesting because you said it is a metaverse that you're building for corporations, right? Did I understand that correctly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in manufacturing. Manufacturing. Correct. And then what is yeah. happening there? Uh, how, can yeah. I, how can I imagine that? So this is, this is part of Siemens Digital Industries. So this is a little bit outside of my, my smart building expertise and, and, and my mobility expertise. But um, the idea, we, 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 had, we had the word digital twins for a couple of years now, right? But digital twins are really used a lot in the planning stage. Before you build a plant in manufacturing, um, you build a digital twin and you see how your production could flow. The step that Siemens is taking now with the customers is to take that into real-time operations. So if you are a plant manager or lean management manager or a supply chain manager um, and you want to see your factory in, in real time, you can access that metaverse not only with like VR, AR, we always think about the metaverse with like glasses on, but you can actually access the metaverse with your laptop. And you can see exactly in real time in a virtual um, twin of your, of your facility what is happening. And then you can also simulate like what would happen if I would add this, this um, very high importance uh, order from one of my major customers tomorrow into the field. And you can simulate through how the outcomes would be on certain orders, delays, um, and then also, yeah, take that data, put it into other third systems um, for other analytics. 
That makes sense. I could simulate if I change my lighting to Siemens uh, 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 your lighting, I, how much energy I would save and how much smarter it gets at the end of the day, right? Because one one hundred one hundred percent. We're happy. We're happy to help with that. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Philip. It was really great talking to you. A very impressive things that you're doing. Thank you. Um, and uh, greetings to uh, Silicon Valley. You're in Silicon Valley now, right? Greetings yeah, Silicon Valley. It's 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 actually cloudy today. That's the first first time since I think April or May. But the sun will come out later, and um, yeah, we are we are enjoying the the AI hype here right now. Um, it is a good time to be here. I can imagine. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vahe. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this edition of Hybrid Minds. This podcast is brought to you by Cognize the first-of-its-kind intelligent document processing company, which automates unstructured data with hybrid intelligence and a data-centric AI platform. To learn more, visit Cognize.com. And be sure to catch the next episode of Hybrid Minds wherever you get your podcasts.